Pastor Ed Taylor says one is important to God. One can make a difference. And one times one times one in normal mathematics is just one. But in the spiritual realm, one times one times one multiplies the love of Jesus Christ throughout a city that needs to hear of hope and help. And you're one. Yeah, I know you're one of 7.21 billion people on the planet Earth, but you're one and you're an important one. You're vital to the ministry. This is amazing grace. With well over 7 billion people in the world, do you sort of feel insignificant? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that one is important to God, and He sees the one and loves them. And to top it off, He has a plan and purpose for our lives, too. This is illustrated for us while He was on the cross and told John to care for His mom. Pastor Ed Taylor explains the power of one through his message based in John chapter 19. We'll start off, though, in Luke chapter 2 at verse 33. Notice verse 33. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Well, this baby does grow up, this child. He grows up to the time where we are in John 19 to hang on a Roman cross. And it's true, his life would cause many to rise and many to fall. Who would be the ones that rise? The ones that place their faith in him and trust him for the forgiveness of their sins. They Really, we, we use the phrase forgiveness of sins because it's huge, but, but here's what you're trusting him. You're trusting him with your life. It is an all-in decision. There are benefits of this trust. The forgiveness of sin, the removal of guilt and shame, purpose and direction. There are many benefits, but our surrender is not for the benefits. Our surrender is because of love. Because of love. Many rise and fall. Who falls? Well, those that reject him. The Bible says, humble yourselves in the, under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. And yet the Bible also says that God resists the proud gives grace to the humble. Notice the next thing in verse 35 of Luke 2. He says this in parentheses. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Now, Joseph and Mary are there, but who is Simeon speaking to? Well, it says in verse 34 that he's talking to Mary. And he's telling Mary, God's going to use your boy going to do dramatic things. People are, lives are going to be changed. Nations are going to be saved. Forgiveness is going to flow. And for you, Mary, a sword's going to go through your heart. And here Mary is watching her son on the cross in the final hours of his life. Whether it happened at this moment 
or it's been the whole time, whether it represents a, a moment in time or it represents a long period of time, here Mary has the greatest pain that she's ever experienced in her life. We know that there's going to be a literal sword put into the side of Jesus not too long from now, back in John 19. But here's another prophecy, another prediction that God brought to pass in the life of Mary. No doubt a hard thing to hear and an even harder thing to experience. She didn't know what it meant when he said it, but would soon understand. Here she is at the foot of the cross, experiencing the greatest pain that she's ever had in her entire life up to this point. So Jesus, back in John 19, he is caring for his mom, setting an example for us in great agony and pain and torturous difficulty. Love is flowing, caring for his mom, handing her over to the care of the apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved. John took her home to care for her. It's a beautiful thing. Let me ask you a question. In caring for Jesus' mom, how many people did Jesus need? You can yell it out. How many people do you think he needed to take care of his mom? I say just one. Just one. He chose just one. He chose one person to take care of his mom, even though there were other people there. There was her sister there. There were other women there. It's striking that Jesus doesn't choose his own half-brothers and sisters to take care of their mom. He entrusts them to this disciple, to John, a new spiritual family. And by the way, Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 13, uh, did have half-brothers and half-sisters. Mary and Joseph came together in regular marital relations and had other children. But they weren't chosen. Neither was her sister standing there next to her. It was... It was John. And all he needed was one. And we're reminded today of the power of one. The power of one in your life and mine. You are so important to God. Listening to me now, whether you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ or you are in rebellion against Jesus Christ, God loves you. And he sent son, his son Jesus Christ to die for you. It is not a biblical truth to say that God only loves some people and he doesn't love others. He demonstrated his love for us with Jesus Christ paying the price for our sins. He demonstrated his love for us that even when we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sins, or another place that talks about Jesus Christ dying for the ungodly, love was proven and demonstrated for you and for me. God loves you. Now, the last time I looked it up in Google, uh, it was probably a couple weeks ago when I was putting this study together. 7.21 billion people inhabit the planet Earth. 7.21 billion people. That is a, a lot of people, and the number keeps increasing over and over. But 7 billion people are on the planet, and yet he knows you personally. I mean, you're one of 7 billion people that are alive right now, and you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And you think of the billions that have come before us and how many billions will come after us and God knows you. The intimacy of relationship that God has with us is described in some interesting ways. One of them is he knows you and I so well that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Some of you more and some of you less, but he knows. 
He knows. I mean, you don't even know. You think you know yourself well? You don't even know yourself well because you don't know how many hairs are on your head. You've never counted them. And if you start at one, two, three, four, oh, I messed up, and you got to start over. And if you count before you go to bed, if you wake up in the morning, the number's going to be wrong. But God in intimacy and closeness, as I was thinking, reading recently of Jesus teaching us, he said, look at the birds, how your father takes care of them. You're more valuable than birds. Look at the flowers, how pretty they are and how beautifully arrayed, but you're more important than the flowers. Seven billion people and God knows me. He intervened in my little life. He, he intervened in, in the, the future of what he wanted to accomplish in my life. He interrupted my life and revealed his son to me and to you. You are known and loved by, of the, by God, creator God, the God of all ages. And in a, in a time in life, where numbers and, and more seems to be the emphasis, at least in our culture. There seems to be a, a blessing attached to people that have more and lack of blessing to people that have less. You know, it's come into the church in the world in which I live as a pastor. I just, last night when I was checking my mail, I threw a magazine out that, that is somebody put me on the mailing list here. And, and it's all about how big your church is and how you can increase your church and what seminar you can go to. And, and there's very little to speak of of just being content with the church that God is building. That Jesus said he would build his church, so just enjoy it. Serve the people with joy and gladness. But no, they print these magazines and they, they send them out. And so this is what you can do and this is what you can do. And I'm sure some of it is, is well-meaning and, and even spiritual. But here, you know, whether you attend a church with 200 people, you know, because we live in a day and age where a church of 200 adults seems to be more important of a church of five adults. And it's not. The church is the church. Whether they're gathering in larger groups or in smaller groups, the church is the church. And we get lost sometimes in a culture that values more. You know, if I just had a bigger house, I'd feel more valuable. If I had a bigger car, I'd feel more valuable. If I had more, number, more money in the bank, I'd feel more valuable and more secure. But all those things are getting in the way of your safety and security that's found in only a relationship with the Father. All that stuff is going to pass away. It's not going to last. Whether it's the church or it's our culture, we live in a culture that seems to think, well, you know, if I live in a 10,000 square foot house, I must, I must be much more important than renting a 10 by 10 room in someone's house. And God would tell you today, no, he loves you the same. He doesn't see things like that. You know, we think of these large uh, movements, large crusades like, like Greg Laurie when he can pack a stadium of 40,000 people and 5,000 people respond to the gospel or, or Billy Graham or Franklin Graham. Billy Graham in the day or Franklin Graham now where you can gather thousands of people at one time and I, believe me, I support that and I think it's great to fill a stadium to preach the gospel and bring your friends to. I think it's great. And when those 5,000 people get up from their seats and they come down on the field, I want you to know something. God is working in their lives one at a time. They might add up to more, but the Bible even puts it so clear that the angels in heaven rejoice over even one that repents. Why? because Jesus always sees the one. Follow his life. One of the conclusions you'll come to in his life is that Jesus was rarely, if ever, I would even go too far say, never impressed with the crowds. And he had a lot of crowds. He was drawing a lot of people to follow him. 
You, you never have an example of, like after the feeding of the 5,000, and you never have an example in the scriptures of Jesus saying, hey, Peter, did you, how many people were there? Was it 5,000? Are you 5,000? That's the biggest draw that we've ever had. I hope next time it's 10,000. Never. The ministry of Jesus seemed to be that he was willing to tell the truth at the expense of people not liking him and leaving him. So much so we have that time in John chapter 6 that we studied earlier that he said a few hard things. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says that many of his disciples followed him no more. They didn't like what he said. Thank God for the one, because you're the one and I'm the one. We're not just a number of 7.21 billion. You have a name, you have a calling, you have spiritual gifts, you have purpose. God is working his will out in your lives and you can trust him. Isn't it interesting how much is thrown our way to undermine our faith and trust in God who saved us and the present will of God for our lives? It seems like there's always got to be something more or someone else. But thank God for the one. That's all that was needed to care for Jesus' mom and take care of her. Don't let crowds and numbers impress you so much. God is still saving men and women today one at a time, one by one. You look back to the ministry in the beginning, lots of crowds were following him. Feedings and miracles and healings. Yet as time went on, Jesus began to share hard things. And the number of those following him decreased more and more. Only 70 shared the gospel of the kingdom. Only 12 left everything to follow him. Only three were at the Mount of Transfiguration. And of the three, only one of them would be at the foot of the cross along with these other women, including Jesus, mom, Mary. The numbers seemed to go down farther along. Jesus served, not up. The power of one. You are the church, church. You're not the church because you gathered in a building today. You are the church. You are the church. I'm reminded of this all the time. You are the church whether you realize it or not. You are the church whether you're ready or not. You are the church. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, just this week, I was up in the Lowry area. I haven't been up there in a long time doing a hospital visit at a rehabilitation hospital. A friend of the ministry, a friend of our fellowship from Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham, his dad lives, he lives in California, but his dad lives here in Aurora, uh, a pastor. Uh, he has a radio program in Spanish where he answers questions on one of the Spanish-speaking stations here in the metro area. And I got a call, a text really, to say, hey man, can you go see my dad? Now, other pastors had gone to visit him, so I went as well. And I drove up there and was in a hurry going from appointment to appointment. And I went up there and I had a glorious time with him. It was wonderful. Talking about ministry, talking about life. So encouraged uh, by him. I'm sure he was encouraged by me as we talked about hope and what God is doing in his life. And there he was sitting in that, sitting in that room all alone, expressing himself with someone that came to visit. Now, I didn't do it this time because I had another appointment after that. But when I'm walking through hospitals and I'm walking through, there are people all throughout that, all throughout that area that would love a visit, would love somebody to come in and pray with them. Just love someone to come and say, are you doing okay? Because if you peek through some of the doors that were open, there's a lot of sterile rooms with somebody laying in there, sitting there with the TV on and their family's not visiting them. Family does not, hasn't been there in a while or is out of state and would love a visit. You know, that, that's something that anyone listening to my voice could do. 
anyone could walk in and with the permission of the nurses could minister to people and just love on them and talk to them and be an encouragement to them. And so I left there and I'm kind of lost and I don't know the area very well and I notice my car, I'm out of gas. And I don't mean that it's the little gas light came on and it's touching the E. For my little needle there, you could see the gap between the white line and the needle. And I know Marie always tells me, Ed, I get 30 miles. I don't know how many more miles I get on empty. And I'm starting to stress out. And Siri's not helping me, so I'm mad at Siri. And I'm going to run out of gas. There's no, I go this way, there's no gas. And now I'm going the next way. And finally, I just decide take a deep breath, and I stop, and I say, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. Because if I'm going to run out of gas and wait for AAA, I want a cup of coffee right where I'm at. So I pull in to the, I see a coffee shop. I pull in. I come in. I park. And I go in, and I'm just kind of zoning out, and I'm a little upset. I'm, I just had a great visit, and now I'm kind of worried. You know, like, what's going to happen? I have somewhere else to be, and now I ran out of gas, and now I'm not going to be fa- I'm just going all through this, and I go in. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about the person serving. I'm just giving my order, and she asked me a question because I happen to be wearing the Philippine mission trip t-shirt that was given to me by Pastor Ian when they went to the trip. And it has a picture of those buses that they decorate and they use for transportation all throughout the Philippines. And so she asked me a question about the shirt that immediately got me out of my little funk. And I'm like, hmm, I think you're opening my mind. I'm thinking you're opening a little door here. And that's exactly what happened is we're talking about it and we're Googling it and we're learning what it is and showing pictures to open an opportunity to share the gospel with her and then with her coworker. And it's like, man, Lord, you are so good. You don't even have to be ready. You don't even have to be in the zone. You don't even have to walk in and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to save every single person in Starbucks today because I'm going to go in and I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. Whew, I'm going to stand on the desk and say, hello, you bunch of sinners. God sent me here. You're not going to do that. I mean, nobody does that. Not anymore, hopefully. But you might be just be happen to have a, a shirt on. Or you might just see someone in something in someone's eye. Or you might just have the Holy Spirit apprehend your heart where you're desperate to get gas, but that little desire to have a cup of coffee, and that happens to be the closest shop, and it's right there. I can't find gas, but I can find coffee. And you just pull in, and you go in. And God had an appointment there. I wasn't in the pulpit here. I didn't even have a Bible on me. I had my phone, but my Bible was in the car. I didn't take it out into Starbucks. I was just one. But one can make a difference. And one times one times one in normal mathematics is just one. But in the spiritual realm, one times one times one multiplies the love of Jesus Christ throughout a city that needs to hear of hope and help. And you're one. Yeah, I know you're one of 7.21 billion people on the planet Earth, but you're one, and you're an important one. You're vital to the ministry. You're vital to the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth today. One is important to God. You're not forgotten by God today. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't brought you this far so that you might, he might let you go into failure and, and, and destruction. There isn't anything that's happened in your life that God isn't working together for the good for you because you as one affect another one and affect another one in your friends and your family and your life. 
And so God would have us to be reminded today, just like with Jesus caring for his mom, Jesus cares for you. Because you're a part of his family, a new family. Yeah, he didn't ask his half-brothers and sisters to do this. He didn't even ask, ask Mary's sister. He didn't even ask his own blood family relation. No, he asked someone from a new family, the spiritual family of God. The church, unfortunately, has been recast as an institution. But we're not an institution. We're the family of God. And every true church that calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is part of our family. Every pastor that's preaching the gospel this morning and its power and its boldness in it is part of the family. They may be in a different local body. They may even disagree on a few secondary things and we may disagree with them, but we're the body. There'll be no disagreements in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. There'll be no disagreements in heaven. There'll be no slander or gossip or backbite. None of the stuff that we have to deal with now. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to being in the presence of the Lord, to having all of his promises fulfilled. But until then, I'm looking forward to being used by God. I'm looking forward to being significant as one, just me. Just me, my life, and then your life, and then your life. And before you know it, a movement's happening of the Holy Spirit. And we're not thinking of ourselves under the pain and agony of our lives but we're thinking of others. We're serving others. We're countercultural. We look different. We sound different. And we act different. Why? Because like Simeon, we have the promises of God. And we quote them. And we stand on them. And we sing them. And we do them. We live out on them. Well, we've been in the Gospel of John today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor at Calvary Church, Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Pastor Ed, you showed us today that one person can make a difference, and we certainly have many opportunities to make a difference during the Christmas season. It could be as simple as handing a book to someone. And we've got a good one that we'd like to encourage folks to give away. Tell us about the case for Christmas. You know, this is a tradition for us, both on Abounding Grace and uh, at our church here at Calvary Church in Aurora. Uh, we, By the way, our picks of the month for the church are the same one for the radio broadcast. So when we announce something on the radio, we're doing the same thing in our local congregation right here. And this is the tradition. We buy cases upon cases, no pun intended, of the book Case for Christmas. It's small, it is inexpensive, and I encourage you to buy many of them, whether it's through us or some other outlet. Get these books, give them away as gifts, put them in your gifts, in the box, especially when you're doing the gift exchange at work or you're doing a white elephant gift or something where you guys are connecting with others, you get that white elephant gift and and combine it with this and then explain it and say, hey, I got the white elephant, but this is real. Because people are asking questions about Jesus and Lee Strobel does a phenomenal job. I mean, obviously in all of his books, but he has such a great job answering 
the questions surrounding Christmas with good, solid answers that will lead people to Jesus. So get a copy. Of course, we encourage you to support the ministry here. We've had our best year ever at Abounding Grace, so I just want to thank you for that. Uh, and it, it's it's such a blessing. And for those of you listening to this broadcast on Grace FM, which is our local radio network here in Colorado, thank you guys. It's amazing. And of course, all around the country, even around the world, we thank you here from the ministry of Bounding Grace. And whenever we think of these picks of the month, just know that when you get them, the proceeds go right back into ministry, 100% used in one way or another to get the gospel out. Bless you guys. You can order as many copies as you'd like of The Case for Christmas at calvaryco.store. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. Help us finish the year strong. To make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into the Gospel of John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.